Entrepreneur on Fire, episode 169. Welcome to EntrepreneurOnFire.com, where remarkable entrepreneurs share their inspiring story. Let their journey illuminate your path to success. And now, your host, John Dumas. Fire Nation, let's join together and thank our sponsor, Audible, as they make our daily show possible. Support Entrepreneur on Fire and go grab your free audiobook at audiblepodcast.com slash fire. That's audiblepodcast.com slash fire. Okay, Fire Nation, let's get started. I am simply thrilled to introduce my guest today, Mike Blinder. Mike, are you prepared to ignite? You bet your bip I am. I can't wait to ignite. (laughs) All right. I appreciate that. Mike currently consults over 350 media companies worldwide on sales strategies. And through these partnerships, over 60,000 local businesses are today using a marketing program designed by Mike and his company, The Blender Group. He is the author of the highly acclaimed Survival Selling, which reviews essential B2B sales fundamentals. More info can be found at mikeblender.com. I've given Fire Nation a little overview, Mike, but why don't you take a second, tell us about you personally, we want to get to know you, and then take another minute and give us an overview of your business. All right, sure. Um, uh, It's funny that I kind of started off with a degree in marine biology back in the 70s at George Washington University, but my passion was to become a disc jockey. So my senior year in Washington, (laughs) I was an overnight DJ at WEAM in Washington. And then I started off being on the talent end of media, traveling to different cities as a morning host. It, w- it was in the early 80s that I that I jumped away from the microphone and I actually was on television and, and cameras and got into the sales side, the marketing side. And from there, my, my career just blossomed. I ended up managing radio and TV groups. And uh, back in the late 90s, this weird phenomena came along called the internet. <laughs> yeah. And I was, I was always a geek. I worked myself through college at Radio Shack selling the first computers. I don't know if anyone's old enough to remember the TRS-80, so I always had a computer. I always was geeky. And being in the right place at the right time, I'm considered now one of the top digital marketing experts for the media industry. I work around the world. I travel about 250,000 miles a year. I've I've been uh, got clients in Russia and and Singapore and all over Europe and uh, all over North America. Some of the top media companies use our services. But mostly, um, we focus on shifting culture of salespeople. The, you know, we help them realize how they can adapt and change, which is tough. Anybody who's monitoring this uh, podcast would know change is the, one of the hardest things to do. And our mission is to help them do so. And, and uh, that's what, what I do. That's what I focus on. Powerful. Well, the people that are monitoring this podcast, over 150,000 unique downloads per month, are all people that are passionate entrepreneurs that are looking to make that leap, Mike. So you're definitely speaking to an audience with open ears. And let me just say, it makes a lot of sense when you tell me that you've had some radio experience because, man, you have a great broadcasting voice. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> you know, it's funny, you're, you would you'd ask me about entrepreneurial leap, but that was a tough thing for me to do because I, I had a real job until, uh, let's see, 19... See, it was 1998 when the media group I was working for, I was uh, head of digital sales for a large group with uh, five newspapers and uh, I think 11 TV stations. It was being sold. 
And my wife, God love her, if I hadn't met the passion of my life in my 40s, she kind of said to me, you know, isn't it time you went off on your own? And I was nervous. I was scared about, you know, going off and starting my own company. And she took out a calculator. We were driving from New York to Maine. That's when I lived in Maine back then in a snowstorm. And she started saying, could you pick up this client? Could you consult this? And I also own, you didn't even mention, I also own another company that is the top digital marketing company for the classical music industry, operaweb.com. Three wow. of my stars were uh, nominated for Grammys this year. And she was, you know, we had that company started and she said, so you're willing to take a pay cut? <laughs> she went, she at that time was director of marketing for Kohlhan Shoes. And within six months, she quit her job and started working with me to build our company. So I'm a big believer in entrepreneurial faith and uh, oh, taking it. the leap and all that and more. Well, Mike, thanks for slapping my hand about forgetting to mention the Opera website. But if we just sat here and listed all your companies and all your accomplishments, we wouldn't be able to talk about anything else. That's true. <laughs> he said, but I'm just kidding, but go ahead. So, Mike, you were not kidding when you said that you were ready to ignite this audience because you already have, and I'm pumped up for the rest of the content that you're going to be sharing with us. But before we delve any deeper, and believe me, we definitely will, we always start Entrepreneur on Fire Off with a success quote. It really gets that motivational ball rolling. So, take it away. Well, this is a, I wish I could take credit for this quote, but it comes from uh, my mentor back in the, uh, in the 80s, when I hit a rock bottom, I think everybody's hit a rock bottom and a bad marriage and financial issues. I had a mentor who just passed named Ivan Burnell. And I took a, a course with him and read some of his books. And I'm going to quote him, if I may, because I live it every day. Um, it's, it's, I am important, so is everyone else. I will never use my importance to put anyone down, but I would never allow their importance to put me down. Wow. I love that quote for so many reasons. Thank you for sharing that personal mm -hmm. mantra with us. It's in my last chapter of my book, too. I just talk about that whole way it shifted my life and turned me around. Well, take it down to the ground level just for a couple seconds, Mike, before we move on. How do you apply this quote, this mantra, every day to your life? Well, it's important because um, in life and in business, what you're trying to do is, in my humble opinion, is, is establish equality with the person you're with. How dare you feel you're more important, but how dare them try to slap you down? And without that equality, how do you communicate? I mean, if you're a salesperson, I mean, I live and breathe training people to sell B2B. That's what I do now. My company focuses on business-to-business -business sales ethics, mostly media, but we work with, we consult many companies on that. And that person, when you're engaging with someone, needs to not uh, be more important or less important this person or no no, uh, how should I say, productive dialogue will ensue. Now, the same thing applies to life if you think about it. Uh, I don't want to mention it, but I have a friend, a neighbor, who every time I, I visit their home with my wife and, and daughter, um, I find him sometimes trying to you know, tease me slap me down a little. I don't know why. Maybe it's just his, his way he's always been. Uh, maybe somewhere in his psyche, he feels like he's putting me down a level. And when I allow it to happen, if I ever do, I can almost feel the energy being sucked out of me. So one of the things I try to live by every day is, is, and I, is just always live that mantra that I, you know, it doesn't matter how much money I make or they make, it doesn't matter how successful they feel they are, I am. We're equality. And I can feel that in your fiber. They feel that when you're meeting with someone. Just remember, you know, when you engage with a human being, so many different uh, consultants say this, but 93% of the process is nonverbal. It's how you're being perceived, the energy that you emote. And that's always carried with me over the last few decades and helped me to grow my business and my life. So, Mike, everybody deals with those people in their lives that do seem to try to slap them down at every single encounter. Why do you think that this individual does that to you? 
Oh, that's interesting. I, I, far be it for me to try to, 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 to judge them or analyze them, but I think sometimes people uh, want to feel better than the person next to them. Mm-hmm. You know, it goes back to, you can look at it through over time. I mean, over, over history, wars and, and, and economic challenges. And even if you look at the, the big issues we have now with um, immigration, it's funny how you know, we're a society of immigrants. I mean, if you really want to boil it down, it's the Native Americans that truly should be controlling the American society because it was their land first. And the rest of us all you know, were mutts that came over. But one immigrant who gets here that sometimes doesn't want the next guy to come in, if you follow my logic, where we should all be, in my humble opinion, you know, welcoming change and, and evolution as it helps us grow our society. So maybe it has a little bit to do with that. You know, someone's always trying to think, well, I'm a little better than you. Maybe it goes back to this. If you're waiting in a line that's not moving to see a movie, does it make you feel better that someone gets in behind you? <laughs> oh, interesting. You know, and it really kind of goes back to what made me think of is how much people just challenge the notion that the earth was not the center of the universe because all of a sudden we weren't the center of the universe, the most important thing in this galaxy. And I think a lot of people struggle with that. Oh, it's precisely. If you, if you study that aspect of our history, popes got very upset, right, with those so that tried upset. to— I mean, slap people down for thinking beyond that. No one's really the center of the universe. We all have to share it together, don't we? We do. work, Work in tandem. Mike, I don't want to harp on this, but I think that we can pull out one more interesting thing from this. What have you found to be the best way to deal with an individual like that that slaps you down? Oh, there's, okay, there's three different ways, in my humble opinion. And we find it in our workplaces, we find it in our lives. The first one is the worst. Um, You cut them off. I mean, if it gets to a point where someone is sapping your energy... Um, what is that old expression? Either leave, follow, or get out of my way. Yeah, that's. I was an army guy, so that was our expression for sure. Right, and I know it goes back in time, you know. I mean, yeah, lead, follow, or get out of my way. So sometimes you just have to push them aside and say, look, you're sapping my energy, you're sapping my growth, and I hate that because the other thing is don't allow it. I mean, people don't hurt people. People let themselves be hurt. That's key. And if you're ever mad, you're really not mad at someone else. You're mad at yourself for allowing yourself to be mad if you think about it. So I think the key is you throw your mind switch and don't allow it to happen. I mean, I don't think I ever fight with my wife because I don't allow it. I mean, if <laughs> I just, negative energy negate begins negative energy, if you follow my logic. So you always counter negative energy with positive energy. I hope I'm not boring you with this, but my first job when I was 16 was selling at Radio Shack. I got the job in high school and kept it, you know, when I moved to DC through college. And I found that when someone came into the store and slapped the radio down, down on the counter and wanted to have an argument with me because it was broken, the first thing I did was smile and say, let me refund your money. And that negated all the anger that they had stored up all night long, ready to throw at me, if you follow my logic. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. No, Mike, you're not boring me. I find this fascinating. Thank you for sharing this. It's just so critical, especially for entrepreneurs as we go forward, because you're always going to have people that react negatively to something you do. I always live by that 20-60-20 rule where you're going to have 20% of people who are just adoring fans. They just love everything that you do. You're going to have 20% of people that just are going to be lurkers and they're just going to dislike and they're going to badger everything that you do. And then you're going to have that middle ground 60% who is going to be fairly indifferent until you can bring them up into that 20%. That's hopefully a growing 20%. And you can't be focused on really either the 20% that are just going to be always giving you the positives or the 20% that are always going to be super negative, but you really got to be focusing on those people that are in the middle ground that really could benefit hugely from you if you just treat them in the right manner and promote the right message and quality. So again, let's not go too far down this rabbit hole. It's been some great content, but we're going to move on because 
This interview is about you. This is about your entrepreneurial journey. And Mike, you know it as well as anybody. Every entrepreneurial journey is riddled with failure. That's true. Failure is pervasive every single day for every entrepreneur on some level, and it can define us as entrepreneurs for better or for worse. So take us back to a time when you failed, Mike, when you just came up against an obstacle or a challenge that you had to dig so deep to overcome, and how'd you overcome that? Well, first of all, my mentor, when I jumped from talent to, to, to the sales side, which was tough for me. I, I, I didn't want to do it. I, I did it kicking and screaming. I mean, I was a morning host and head disc jockey. They called it program director back in the 80s. And the man who owned the radio group, his name was Ron Frizzell, um, was convinced that I could grow if as long as I learned a new task. And I fought him kicking and screaming. I didn't want to do it. And every time I approached him with, a, with, a, with, a, with failure or a challenge, I mean, a problem, he'd say, we don't have a problem. We have a challenge. Let's just conquer it. So that's the first thing I always put in my brain. Second thing I always do is I say everything that happens in life happens for a reason. I mean, even the worst things, you got to learn from them. You know what I mean? It, and that, I know these all sounds like old cliches, but it's also true. Everything that happens is the best thing that happens to you. And if you look back on your life and you had those challenges and you come through them, isn't it true that it was the best thing? It reshifted you. It rejiggered you. I mean, I look at this economic downturn we went through, how I had to reinvent myself three times through it. I mean, here I am growing a business, doing great, didn't know I was fat and lazy, suddenly be going to the worst recession since the Great Depression. And what I did was reinvent myself. I turned my, my company into a lean, mean fighting machine. Now I look back and thank that downturn. Thank that the real estate, the four pieces of real estate that I put into my portfolio had little value. Remember, I live in Florida. We're still struggling with that issue. Yeah. I mean, and all that and more um, helped me grow. The, the next piece of advice, and I know this is, I, my worst time was in the 80s. I had a bad marriage uh, that I want to go into. Uh, that caused some real economic problems, debt, um, and it was affecting my life. I, I was having trouble managing the small group that I was managing at the time. I was having, having trouble getting up in the morning, you know, and, and growing. And I remember then uh, my boss taking me aside and I said to him, how am I going to keep going? He said these words, which I live by every day, fake it till you make it. I mean, sometimes you just got to act the role and it becomes you. you. Wake up in the morning and throw the mind switch and say, okay, what is, how is I, how, what do I want to be today? How, how can I get over these challenges? What is the end game at the end of this day that I need to be? And if you envision it and act it almost through osmosis, I find that those, uh, those attributes, you know, become part of you. And as the day progresses, uh, it, you, you conquer it through that act. And if I may add one more thing to this, um, uh, I, I work out every morning and that might seem odd, but I make sure I run three miles on a treadmill every day, or at least some form of workout. I know that it has very little to do with business, but I find that if I, if I, it's that old, I forgot who the entrepreneurial consultant who wrote the book. It's, I, I should have it in front of me. I know I'm being interviewed eat the frog and he's famous. It'll come back to me. Brian Tracy. That's a Tracy. Of course, I, I, I subscribed to his blog and I've seen him speak, but, but you know, that's a great thing to live by because he always said, you know, do the worst thing first, right? <laughs> so I, well, who was, remember Dorothy Parker? She was one of the great writers of the Algonquin write, uh, uh, Roundtable in the 20s. And she used to say, I hate to write. I love to have written. Hmm. And I feel the same way. If I can get off a treadmill in the morning, you know, at 5.30, 5.45 in the morning, and I've already conquered that feat. I can fake it till I make it throughout the day and, and win the rest of the day. That's just my advice to anyone listening that they may want to try to emulate that. Those are powerful insights, Mike. And I have emulated that with my journey through Entrepreneur on Fire. I mean, here I am. I'm just an, an Army veteran, worked in corporate finance. Then I did some residential and commercial real estate. I had no experience on a microphone. I had no experience broadcasting, but I knew 
what I wanted to create. I knew I wanted to create a platform, a podcast that would share the journey of incredible entrepreneurs, their failures, their aha moments, what's exciting them now. And I knew that I had to start somewhere and I knew that I could build from that. So day one, my first interview was my legitimate first interview. And since then, I faked it till I've made it all the way to where Entrepreneur on Fire now is being downloaded over 150,000 times a month in over 140 countries. And it's really reaching and inspiring a lot of people, mostly thanks to people like yourself who just have incredible journeys that, they're, that they are willing to share. So I just want to thank you for that. Oh, my pleasure. The other piece of advice I'd give, and I'm not watching the clock, I know you are, because you only live, allow 30 minutes on your great <laughs> platform, is um, visualization. Um, I was talking about Ivan, who just passed uh, last month. And it was funny that he reached out to me on New Year's Eve just to see how I was doing. And we hadn't seen each other in years and years. I remember on that first day that I took this self-help course, when I was at my lowest low, he made us write down on a piece of paper where we were going to be in five years. Um, and you had to write it as if you owned it. And I still have that piece of paper. In the last chapter of my book, I show a piece of it. And the problem is, uh, first of all, watch out what you ask for because you may get it. Because I, when then I thought travel was exciting. And all I wanted to do is I wrote one of the things I'm traveling to do. Now I try, I hate it, man. A couple hundred thousand miles a year can really wear you down, nice. you know? It's, it's, you know, I'm a road warrior because a lot of our, I'm a, I'm a professional motivational speaker. I got to get in front of people. I've tried webinar distance training. It's not the same when you have a room. Like I'm flying to Peoria today to go do a big speech tomorrow morning there. And uh, you got to be in front of them sometimes to make it happen. So I, I live in airplanes. It's no badge of honor. Um, what Jim Carrey, if you ever, if you ever studied him, when he was, you know, he was living in a trailer, he didn't have any money. And uh, he, he used to drive to the top of the mountain and overlook Hollywood and envision he would live there. And then one day he wrote himself a check for $10 million. He wrote it to himself saying for acting services. And he dated it for five years later. And he got exactly $10 million to the day five years later for Dumb and Dumber, which is a movie I've never seen. But I found it was fascinating that he implied that visualization. <sighs> If you were a sales rep and I was consulting your media company or your B2B company and you were leaving the building and I was to stop you and say, where are you going? And you were to say, make a sales presentation, I would say, wrong. Tell me what you're really going to do. Until I boiled it down to you saying, I'm going to close a deal for $50,000. So you have it in your mind. And this may seem odd and a little weird, but I actually visualize parking spaces that I want before I'm driving the car to get to a place. And they're usually there waiting for me. Or I visualize the upgraded first class seat. Those of you that are road warriors listening to this know that that's important to some of us, not because we care about the services, we care about the extra room to get work done. Or I'll visualize, you know, the, the upgraded hotel room or whatever I need. If you, you know, I think that boils down to almost fake it till you make it. But visualization every day. See the goal in your mind's eye. And then when you do, somehow through osmosis again, it helps you achieve it. Such powerful insights, Mike. And it's a great segue into our next topic, which is the aha moment. It's the other end of the spectrum from that failure, from that major obstacle. I can tell with the kind of person that you are, Mike, that you're having aha moments on certain levels every single day. And that is so powerful. But take us back to a time in your journey when you really just had that big light bulb that went off, when the clouds parted, the sun shined through. Share that with us. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, one of my aha moments was at my first convention in 1988 at the Lowe's Anatole Hotel. Here I was, finally a manager of a radio station. I got to go to a convention. That's exciting, you know, when you're a kid. Oh, yeah. And I'm at this big conference. You know, if you ever, I don't even, I don't even think it is at the Lowe's anymore, but it had those glass elevators, you know, and all that and more. And I went to a conference, two, two aha moments at the same conference. I think this was a life-changing event for me. First of all, it was a man in his 70s named Alan Simberg. 
I, I'm so glad I watched him speak at this convention. And uh, I bought the VHS tape of him speaking to a group <laughs> about motivation. And Alan's hard to find on the internet because I think he died 15 or 20 years ago. And I just, he, he was great because he taught me one of the most important aspects, again, called the cell before the cell. I mean, if you leave, he did this thing where he was sitting on the stage pretending he was driving a car going, I'm going to go see this buyer and he's going to tear me down and my company I work for sucks. It was so funny. And I realized you have to be sold first before you make a sale. Mm -hmm. And the second aha moment was a big consultant at the time. I think it's uh, Kent Burkhardt. At the time, I was a radio convention or broadcasting. Uh, Kent Burkhardt of Burkhardt Abrams was in an elevator. And then I thought he was God. He's still a great man. I think he's still around. And a big consulting firm. And I, we were going up this elevator, 16 floors. And I was alone with him. And I, could, and I looked at him and I said, Mr. Burkhardt, I just took over managing my first radio station. And I've heard of you. And I've watched you speak today. And you're wonderful. And I remember I was just stroking him, acting like this little kid. We got like three more floors before we get to your floor. Could you give me some this young pup some advice? And he leaned over into me with his gin-soaked breath. Like, I remember like it was yesterday and said to me with such fervor, son, find out what they want and give it to them. And then he left the elevator. And to this day, I never forgot those, those incredible words of advice. Gin soaked. I love that. <laughs> or it could have been vodka for all I know. Yeah. <laughs> Mike, I'm going to put you on the spot here. Have you had an I've made it moment? Yeah. I hate to say it. That sounds like you're almost being self... Well, first of all, I don't... I try not to... I've gotten different advice from different mentors over the years. I have five or six that I seek out because I, you know, I always need a little coaching. And I remember one guy said to me, which I still live by, treat every dollar like the last dollar you're going to earn. So my wife says I drive her crazy because um, I think of the worst scenarios and solve them before they happen. And that comes to everything. You know what I mean? So I'm never overly complacent. Does that make sense? Like even now that I'm sold out till June, I'm, I'm always worried now about the next half of the year, you know, getting my business booked in, making sure I'm growing it. I've got five and a half people to feed on my team. You know, we work a virtual company. I've got to send my, I'm, I'm 55 with a, with a 10 year old daughter. <laughs> I've got to send her to Harvard someday. So I never liked, yeah, but I made it moment. I would say, um, yeah, I uh, spoke at a huge conference a few years ago and stood in front of an audience and got um, just for 45 minute keynoting. And, and it was a, an audience I respected within an industry. And I got a standing ovation at the wow. end. Um, See, so yeah, some people that I've respected a lot in the industry I work in have, I just did a, just a few, a uh, few months ago, I was um, doing a, a webinar for a group of them. And, and, and I heard someone kicked me back an email saying some of the most important content I've ever digested to help me change my direction of my business and stuff like that makes you think you really did make it. You know what I mean? That you're really helping other people through your knowledge and you're helping. It's more than just the money. If you know what I mean? It's what you're doing is making a difference. Mike, are you enjoying the journey? I wish. Yeah. You know, the travel's tough. You're asking a very pointed uh, question. I'm enjoying the journey. I have to continue to enjoy it. I have to remember to count my blessings. There's so many other people that just are, are, are struggling so much, whether it's personal or, or, for, or professional, financial or what have you. And then I can enjoy it more that way because sometimes you wake up and you say, oh, my word, what a world. You know, there's always something hitting you, the inboxes of email. You know, then there's social networking now that you have to use in marketing. And then you're always wondering, 
Uh, you know, I'm very vicious when it comes to business. Um, how should I say vicious? Let's put this in perspective. In tough economic times, I still believe we're having a very wimpy recovery. There's only so much money going around. So I love my family and I cherish my friends. But when it comes to business, I'm vicious. It's either me or my competitor. It's only so much money going around. So you have to play the competitive game. And so I'm checking out different social networking feeds to make sure that I'm traveling more, getting better business than my competition. I'm always analyzing my growth. And it's hard to stop and smell the roses when you're doing that. So the answer is, yeah. But last night, I found a moment. You know, I was, I was uh, watching the television with my 10-year-old daughter in bed, and she was cuddling with me. And I'm thinking, yeah, I'm enjoying the journey. It's nice that it's nice to have you know, the, have the uh, have the little financial, you know, uh, comfort uh, and ability to slow down a little and enjoy the ride. Powerful. Well, Mike, being a Mainer myself. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. As we're talking, Mike, I am calling you from Portland, Maine. It was the Portland Press Herald that gave me my first internet job. They pulled me away from a radio group. So yeah, I love Maine. Well, Mike, being a Mainer, I love hearing your frugality because you can truly take the Mainer out of Maine, but you can't take the Maine out of the Mainer. And you I definitely agree. go forward with that. I agree with that. I always think that people in Maine live very well below their means. <laughs> you know, multi-millionaires are driving around and beat up cars. You know, it's, it's, I love Maine. I miss it terribly. Uh, uh, the only reason I left, to be honest with you, was I needed better transportation. When my business took off, the weather was just too problematic for flying. Um, my my end game goal is to have a nice condominium up there and you know spend time up there a lot. Well, with the twelve inches we got last night, I can definitely tell you that the weather is still problematic. So, Mike, I wish this interview was for an hour, but it's not. So we're going to have to forge on and be very focused with these last few questions. What is one thing that's really exciting you about your business right now? We affect change. There's an old joke. Um, how many psychiatrists does it take to change a light bulb? And the answer is one, but it really has to want to change in the first place. <laughs> um, change is tough. And what I, we focus on is we help people get out of a rut. One of the, I, I host a conference every year for media companies called the Blender Revenue Summit. This year it's going to be in Chicago. Keynoter two years ago was a CEO of one of the large media groups in the United States. And he said 33% of my people get it. 33% of my people don't get it, but will get it. And 33% of my people will never get it. And they'll be gone by the end of the year. And I, that frustrates me. And I just like year 20, 40, 20. I mean, it, was, it wasn't 20, it had to be different. 60. It doesn't add up, 60, right, because it doesn't add up to 100. Same thing. I mean, I don't like it when I hear that. I, my goal would be to get that bottom 20 to change. People don't want to change. We're like Pavlov's dogs, right? We salivate. Every time the bell rings, I should stop eating, I should start exercising, but I keep gaining weight, I should stop smoking, I should stop drinking, I should get out of a bad relationship. We're all, change is tough. Um, and that, when I see the change, when I know I affect it uh, through our, you know, our training programs, through our motivation, you know, when part of my company actually rides with salespeople. We make 5,000 calls on small businesses a year, generated $17 million last year in revenue for our clients. I love change when I see it happening, because it's important. We cannot be complacent. We have to always evolve. Powerful. And on that note, Mike, what is your vision for the future of Mike Blinder? I'd like to slow down. I mean, I think I'm getting old. I'm 55, and that's not... You're a young pop. Come on now. I know, but still, you know, the, the, the travel can be grueling, and, and, you know, at this age, things start to, to, you know, your body starts to give you signs. I'd like to find ways to take on less business that, that produces more revenue. 
is, and that's scalability. My, scalability, and that's what I'm working on now. I have new training modules we're designing. I've put a lot of energy and effort. I have a full-time guy working on it for me now that where I can do a more distance learning products. Um, and that's taking a lot of change in me because I, you know, I love to be on site doing those motivational speeches, but I'm trying to find ways to be in the screen using new video tactics uh, to do that. I think, I think the game in the next five years will be to travel half amount of time and then double my revenue. How does that sound? I think that sounds amazing, Mike. I want your future. <laughs> I'm sure you're, you're <laughs> on your way as well, my friend, I'm sure. Fire Nation. Let's take a second here to once again thank our sponsor, Audible. They are the reason this content will always be free for you. If you love Entrepreneur on Fire, you will love the 100,000 plus audiobooks Audible has. And the book that I want to recommend to you today is The Tipping Point by Malcolm Gladwell. You can go grab this audiobook for free and get a 30-day trial by signing up at audiblepodcast.com slash fire. I have been an Audible member for years now, and there are a number of reasons they are the only place to go for audiobooks. Audible provides the best value, the best customer care, and the best selection of titles. So go grab an audiobook today and support Entrepreneur on Fire by signing up at audiblepodcast.com slash fire. That's audiblepodcast.com slash fire. We've now reached my favorite part of the show. We're about to enter the lightning round. And this is where I provide you with a series of questions. And you come back at us, Fire Nation, with amazing and mind-blowing answers. Sound like a plan? <laughs> You're setting the bar pretty high, my friend. <laughs> go ahead. Remember, under-promise and over-deliver. Rule number one, but go ahead. <laughs> what was holding you back from becoming an entrepreneur? Fear. One word, fear. Never be scared of having, never be scared of having a floor. That's what a job is, because when you have a ceiling, it stops you. You see what I'm saying? You, know, you, you feel a need to have a job and not be an entrepreneur, to have that salary, but it's like a floor. But when you have a floor, you have a ceiling and it stops your growth. So I was scared. I was scared of losing the, you know, the paycheck. Truth is, I think I have more job stability being in control of my own destiny than I would working for somebody else right now. Because I don't think there's any job loyalty anymore. Powerful. Mike, what's the best business advice you've ever received? Treat every dollar like your last dollar. I said it before and I'll say it again. Don't you ever become fat and lazy or complacent. Mm -hmm. Every dollar is your last dollar. What is something that's working for you right now? My first boss said to me, uh, I've never fired a salesperson. They fired themselves first by not making the calls. What he was trying to say, it's a numbers game in sales. It's always a numbers game. Always assign a metric to a goal. You heard me say travel half the time, double revenue. Don't say, I want to earn more money. Put a number against it. Always have a metric. And then you can break that metric down into time, energy, whatever you need to. Because without a metric, you don't have a goal. Assign a number to everything. Don't say, I want to spend more time with the kids. Say, Tuesday night is kids' night. I mean, I dropped 44 pounds uh, four years ago. You want to hear how I did it? I ate less and exercised more. <laughs> I just know a calorie, you know? I know how many I can consume in a day with my metabolism and I count them in my brain. I always have a metric. Don't ever just make a statement. Mike, do you have an internet resource like an Evernote that you're just in love with that you can share with our listeners? 
No, I have many. It's, I, I, I subscribe to just about every blog. I mean, you mentioned Brian Tracy, and it's funny. I just got his. I got his email. You know, half hour before this call, and I couldn't remember the name. I always. I, I you know something. I'm. I'm. I would say all of the internet resources, not one. But if you find someone that's motivational, if you find someone that you want to emulate, if you find a mentor, make sure you're getting streams from them. Or you're watching them on social networking. Make sure you're feeding yourself with the good juice each and every day. So I have many. I can't name one. I have some mentors that I follow. I have a number of them. But uh, mostly I'm just, you know, I'm taking it all in. I'm drinking it all the good juice every day. Love it, Mike. Your book, Survival Selling, will be in the show notes at entrepreneuronfire.com slash Mike Blinder. Share with us another book that you would love to recommend to our listeners. Oh, that's easy. The Power of Positive Doing by Ivan Burnell. I mentioned him. I just have to do that since he just passed. The Power of Positive Doing by Ivan Burnell changed my life. I think I owe it to him since he put me on the right path back in the 80s. I'd like to pass it along to him where he is right now. It's on, I'm, it's on the internet. Actually, I found a free download just by Googling him. I would read that. I would read any chapter you can in that because that really turned me around. And he was entrepreneurial. He has great stories of how he turned his life around and ran his company into his 90s. Wonderful man. Great stuff. So, Mike, this next question is my favorite. It's kind of tricky, so take your time, digest, and then come back at us with an answer. Imagine you woke up tomorrow morning in a brand new world, identical to Earth, but you knew no one. You still have all the experience and knowledge you currently have, your food and shelter is taken care of, but all you have is a laptop and $500. What would you do in the next seven days? I would make sure that I am connecting instantly with the right people I need to do. And if I'm not known, I would, again, I know I've said this during this interview, I would be instantly on social networking, reconnecting, refinding those, 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 uh, those, those followers, those friends, those likes, those connections, if that makes sense, to rebuild my base of contacts that are so essential to me now as I market and network throughout the universe. So that's the first thing I do with that 500. I'd, I'd feed myself and I'd be on that laptop in a heartbeat, reconnecting them up. Because without that, I'm nowhere, if you know what I mean. I mean, seri seriously, the, the number one way I've driven my business over the last uh, 14 years has been referrals. It's not buying booths at convention, guys. It's not, I mean, I, yeah, I have a database of 4,700 on constant contact. I have 1,800 friends on... on uh, Facebook, I've got, I, I can't even count the amount of connections on LinkedIn, but it's the referrals, if you follow. One guy telling another, me leveraging references. It's always been so important. Mike, I follow you. Whenever I get an email from somebody that says, John, I heard about you through my friend or through my family member or through my peer, those are always the people that immediately know, like, and trust Entrepreneur on Fire because it comes from a trusted source. So I could not agree with you more. That is just great, actionable advice, which you've given us this entire interview, and we are all better for it. Give Fire Nation one parting piece of guidance, then tell us how we can connect with you, and then we'll say goodbye. Metrics, fake it till you make it, visualization. That's it. And treat every dollar like your last dollar. And I, and I had no notes for this interview because I'm about to hop an airplane. But those are always top of mind for me. 
you want to connect with me, um, best way would be through uh, Mike Blinder, M-I-K-E-B-L-I-N-D-E-R.com, or just Google me, and you'll find my Facebook page. You'll find my LinkedIn page. Love to connect with anyone. Follow me on Twitter if you want. Again, Mike Blinder. I'm glad I have a name that's not common like John Smith, if you know what I mean. So <laughs> M-I-K-E-B-L-I-N-D-E-R.com. Hit head there. You'll see where my book. I, I actually give away a few free chapters. The one on Ivan is free. You'll be able to download it and read it today. Oh, powerful. Well, again, we will be linking everything up in the show notes, entrepreneuronfire.com slash Mike Blinder, or just go straight to mikeblinder.com, Fire Nation. Mike, thanks for being so generous with your time, your expertise, your experience. Fire Nation salutes you, and we'll catch you on the flip side. Thanks. Fire Nation, what great idea do you have brewing inside you? Enough brewing. Take powerful action today. Go grab your domain and get your website up. I've created a simple seven-minute tutorial that will walk you through acquiring your domain for free all the way to your first post. Go to eofirewebsite.com to access this great tutorial, your free domain, and much more. That's eofirewebsite.com. Thank you for joining us at entrepreneuronfire.com. Your daily dose of inspiration. Prepare to ignite.